Right. Let's get rolling. As you guys know, and if you don't know, um, we are in the midst of revival. It's a good thing. That's right, because Nebraska football and volleyball both won yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. Only good things can come from here, right? We're on our undefeated streak, I think. I don't know. So, anyway, well, today's going to be a little bit different um, because of last weekend. And I wanted to share a few things that have been on my heart for a, for a long time and kind of give you guys some backstory and some, some um, context of what last weekend meant. Because it's not everything that you may think it is. Last weekend was powerful. I think we can all agree. I have never, I, I've, I've, I've thought, I've been thinking about this. I've been in a lot of services through a lot of years, and if, if you've been walking with the Lord for any time, there were these revivals that took place in the 90s, in the 80s, in the 90s and stuff. There were powerful services. I've been in services with Norval Hayes, uh, which you, you may not know who he is, but he was, a, he was a big time evangelist. Mac Hammond. I mean, I've been in services with a lot of people that were at, like, my church. Not, I went to this meeting that they were at. It's this massive crowd, and I'm just one of thousands. I'm talking smaller crowds. I have never seen so many people healed all at once. I, it was incredible. And, and, and that's the thing. And so before I get too deep into this, I'm going to ask you guys if anybody's got a testimony they want to share. Okay? Nobody ever likes to start, but once one starts, everybody's usually willing to follow. But I'm going to ask for anybody who wants to come up and share a little bit about what happened or maybe experience that you had. Neil, are you walking towards me? Okay, come on, Neil. Neil, like, hides in the back, and he's all quiet until. <laughs> you did turn that mic on before you came out, right? Okay, good. It is on. Okay, good. So I saw the Spirit do a whole lot of miracle, miraculous things last weekend. I hope you experienced some of those, those miracles, miracles that happened here. They were wonderful. Um, I saw from the, ven the vengeance of the Lord was doing things with us to heal us, to the love side of the, of the Spirit doing things just to, to, to bring us to full completion. I saw one end of the spectrum to the other that the Spirit was doing, and it was on our behalf, and I'm thankful for everything he did for us last weekend. Oh, it was so powerful. Um, testimony I'd like to share with you guys. So um, I was back there, and Chris was praying for me that first night, Friday night, and she prayed. We're all just praying for each other that night. And um, I was having some early indications of back problems. Um, I was having some kind of tingling in my legs. And I, I, I've been feeling tingling on the top of my, my feet for the last two weeks. And after she prayed, that tingling went away. And I haven't felt it since. So I, my back is healed. But God didn't stop there. I didn't pray for this. I didn't ask for this. But I got something else. Uh, God healed. He knew what I needed. And he healed me on that other thing. So... Four and a half years ago, I had that accident, and part of that accident causes an injury in my brain that causes my sense of smell and taste to not work or certain things. And I was heading out to the painter's house Saturday morning, and uh, one of the things I could not smell is a skunk. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of hallelujahs in that thing, yes, but I was drove, drove out to the painter's last Saturday and drove over a bridge, and there was a dead skunk on that bridge. I thought, oh, there's a dead skunk. I can smell a skunk. That's the best smell of skunk I've ever smelled. 
<laughs> but all this week, Leslie's been testing this. So there's a lot of things that I, a lot of flavors that I can't taste, a lot of spices and artificial flavors and things that I can't taste. Everything that Leslie has thrown at me, I can taste. I can Amen. smell all those things that I couldn't smell before. I can taste all the things I can't ta couldn't taste before. Amen. Chris prayed for me. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can you imagine what a crime it is to live in Leslie's house and not be able to taste her food? That's, 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 that's not good. Somebody else. Who's going to be brave and step up here? I know, like, the number one fear is public speaking, and number two is death, which is just weird to me. Like, you'd rather be in the casket than to do doing the... Come on up, Steve. Just weird. Are you going to talk about the skunk, too? Did you run over my skunk? <laughs> Where is he? No, I've been able to smell a skunk all my life. Sometimes it's me. <laughs> well, I have had and been diagnosed with emphysema for the last, what's it been, six, six years, maybe seven. Uh, and it was having its toll on me. Um, but I don't have emphysema anymore. I've got some new lungs. I haven't had a breath inhalant in nine days, and I'm not going to. <laughs> and at work the other day, I bounded up the stairs to the office. I didn't stop and choke and cough like I usually do. I wasn't breathless when I got up to the top, and I was able to share with my boss and a couple other people at work that I was healed, I've got new lungs, and to my amazement, they all thought that was great. <laughs> they, they didn't scowl, you know, so, yeah, I've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Some of us run out of breath going upstairs for other reasons, so. <laughs> Who else? Come on, somebody. Jada? You want me to come back to you, Jada? I don't mind. Okay, we'll give Jada a minute to think about her sins right now. And <laughs> who else? Who else wants to share? Even if you already shared, like who else wants to share? Jim. Well, I don't have a lot to share about myself, but I'm just going to share a story that my granddaughter shared with us, uh, which Sadie came up here and was prayed for by Corey and... and uh, after it was all over with, she said, she was talking to Grandma. I was listening in. She says, Grandma, she says, I think I came the wrong night. And Grandma says, well, why do you think you came the wrong night? She says, well, I was kind of scared. And uh, she says, well, why was you scared? And she said, well, whenever Corey started praying for me, she says, I heard this voices in my head and and, of course, she was praying in tongues up here. Uh, and and she's uh, eight, right? Eight years uh, old? Eight years eight old, years old. Yeah. Okay. And she was praying in tongues, and, and Alma said, well, that was you praying in tongues. And she says, no, they was just in my head. And she, Alma said, no, you was, you was talking them out. <laughs> and she didn't, she thought she was just doing it in her head. She didn't realize she was saying them out. And uh, she says, I, I seen Jesus, and he said he loved me. But she said, I was still kind of scared. You know, and uh, Alma says, well, 
well, I don't know why he was scared. And uh, I, I refreshed Alma's memory years ago whenever she went to the Joyce Myers ministry and seen all these things going on and scared the bejeebies out of her, <laughs> although she was blessed and Sadie was blessed. But, uh, you know, it, it, for the first time it is a little bit, you know, because she's not, she's not really been going to church or anything. She doesn't know all this stuff. And so it was a little scary for her. But whenever she was telling me, I mean, this is real. Mm-hmm. You know, what she was experiencing, this is real. And one other thing, uh, I don't see Joe in here right now. But anyway, whenever Corey asked Friday night for people to come up and pray for people, uh, Amy and Joe Saya come over here. And uh, they, Amy was laying hands on Alma and, and praying for her because she has a back problem. And, and Joe was standing there, and I said, Joe, I said, I need you to pray for my knee. My knee's been bothering me. And Joe says, well, I can't do that. And I said, well, yes, you can. I said, just lay your hands on and start praying for it. And he said, well, no, I can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. So I grabbed his hand and put it on my knee. And I said, I'm going to tell you what to pray, and you just pray and believe on it. And... Uh, so he prayed for my, you know, I told him what to say, and he prayed for my knee. And, and uh, after he got done, Amy says, come on, Joe, we need to pray for Jim now. And I said, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, Joe's already took care of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Who else? I know we had a bunch. Even if you already shared, just in case somebody wasn't here. Does anybody want to share anything? You? You want to share anything? I know. You want to do it again? And then Jada can go? To God be the glory. Well, my heart's been full all week. Um, I feel like I was blessed immensely by the Lord showing me my daughter and for my daughter to speak to me that it was okay to let her go. And uh, she sat before Jesus I knew she was in heaven, and I can just picture her there now. And, you know, it's just been a blessing to have that immense sorrow off of my heart and to now be joyful because she spoke to me and let me go. It was like a release. And uh, so it's just been a huge blessing. And I also was healed when um, Sheridan, Dave, uh, Dave prayed for my back last week and I've always had trouble standing for long periods of time and I know it's because I've got you know it's kind of like skewed a little bit in my back and it hasn't been since it's it's straight and I feel balanced and I have no pain back there anymore Amen. so praise God yeah it's good all right last call Jada are you sure oh he's got a mic back there for you That's all right. We won't force her yet. Can you what? I did, yeah. Do you want to come up, Paralee, and read your own testimony that you put on Facebook? Okay, Grandma. Yeah. Well, my testimony is I stood here and bawled. Ridiculously, but... Because my family was being so touched and blessed by God and things that I've been praying for for years. 
um, were happening. This is Paralee's testimony. I experienced some really cool things this weekend. I watched healing right in front of my eyes. I have never seen anything like what I saw today in my entire life. <clears throat> I watched kids heal people. I watched a 10-year-old speak in tongues. I watched people fall to the ground. My sister had visions. <laughs> a little girl visited heaven and saw her grandpa. I watched people's hearing get restored. I watched my papa get healed as he cried out in joy. Something changed in my head and in my heart, and Satan is not liking it. I have to go to a different one, so hang on. Uh, sorry, I, I had to copy these, so they're kind of hard. Beverly, what'd you say? Something changed my mind. Suicidal thoughts, self-harm thoughts, eating disorder thoughts, anger, confusion, and anxiety had come at me. <coughs> my body was floating. I must have skipped something in here. Um, nothing else in the world mattered because I wasn't here. I was with Jesus. Thinking about it and telling people about it bring tears of, of joy to me. This is something I've never experienced before. It's great to know and experience how great our God is, and now I can speak to God without knowing what I am saying, but he knows, and that is just beyond amazing. Something I thought that only happened to certain people who have done more good on this earth for Jesus. This was my first encounter with the Lord. It sure has been one long battle fighting this depression and trauma, but I've learned what power I have against Satan, and I will continue to use it. My chains are gone. I am no longer held captive. I have been set free by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And this is just a snippet, guys. You know, I talked to the pastor over in Sydney. His knee's still doing great. I mean, it, it, was, it was incredible. And so before, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week, next week, okay? Or two weeks ago, I guess, or whatever it was. Oh, uh, are you ready? Oh, real loud. Hey, Jada, why you got that mic in front of you? Your sister just did it. Atta girl. You sure? Come on up. We'd prefer that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jada Roberts. Thank you. 
Awesome. Nice job. Very, very good. It is hard to get up in front of a big crowd and talk to people. So, so no, that's fantastic. And, and so as, we, as I was saying, like, we're going to get back into it uh, a little bit because i got a couple things I need to finish up before we go to the last part of this series. And, I, and I, I intentionally, as I had prayed through this thing as we started this series, had tried to time everything in a certain way. And uh, we are just a smidge, smidge, smidge behind, but that's okay. Because I want to give the backstory of what we experienced this last weekend. Um, if you missed it, you missed out. You missed out on, on what might be the most powerful services I've ever been a part of. And, I, and I've been a part of a lot. And I know some of you have as well. And while, when I, it's not like a comparison thing. I'm just telling you seeing the results. And so let me give you the backstory of this. As you guys know, I grew up in a charismatic church. Okay? We went to a little, uh, little fundamentalist Baptist church when I was real young. I spent most of the time under the pews picking gum off the pews which is incredibly satisfying, I got to tell you. It was great. My memories from that were the gum part, and then the, um, we had a lady during, like, we were singing a hymn, and she passed out into the pew, and we had to call the ambulance, and I thought that was cool. Um, I was young, just bear with me. So, uh, but it was exciting. Like, it was the most exciting part of church ever. And my mom had this friend of hers that went to this little charismatic church and had been inviting her forever. My parents were not saved. You need to understand that. We did not grow up with Christians. We did not grow up in that way because my parents were hell raisers, okay? My dad was divorced, um, had married my mom, and then had me shortly thereafter. As you guys know, I was actually born in Detroit, which is why I have street cred. And then we moved to Louisiana, and then we spent most of our days in Nebraska. I started preschool in Nebraska. And my mom had this friend who basically became a mentor, if you will. She was an older gal, uh, but just poured into my mom constantly and had invited uh, my mom, my dad, to come to their church for months and months and months. And they wouldn't do it. Uh, it wasn't for any other reason than the fact that, well, we were going to church. The whole reason we even started going to a church, that little Baptist church, is because my parents just kind of felt like, well, we should be in church. Because as many of you know, especially those of you that are older, there was a time in life where you kind of just knew everybody went to church. It was just a thing. It was a societal thing. Now, you may not have been born again, and you may not have been on fire for God, so to speak, but you went to church. Now, that's changed today. I think the average person who calls themselves a full-time active member of church attends services 1.6 times per month. I think that's the current statistic. Yep, they consider themselves a full-time active member if they're there 1.6 times a month. That's the average. Anyway, that's a sidebar. It's free information. So she invited us in. My parents reluctantly but finally did go, and um, they were touched by God. Now, I don't know all that happened in that because I was obviously very young, but obviously it changed our family tree because this persistence. And so what happens is we're growing up in it. I will never forget this. It was during, it would have been probably in the early 90s, I'm guessing, because I was teenager-ish. I don't remember how old I was, but it was, uh, it was during the Brownsville revival. So whenever all that was going on, my pastor had gone down to Florida to this revival as these things were kicking off because incredible things were taking place. And um, when he came back, it was like something was in him, on him, like he was a different man. Um, and uh, we're standing there, and all of a sudden, like, it was like the Holy Spirit fell on the church. And you were watching people, you'd see them fall down. You'd see, like, things were happening, and this friend of mine were standing next to each other. We're watching this, like, what is going on here? This was not church as normal. This was different. 
And um, we had this one gal in our church, and she was up doing something, and then all of a sudden she just kind of started stumbling around. And it was really where you could tell something was going on. And this friend of mine looked at each other. They said, she looks drunk. We said at the exact same time. Now, we didn't know anything about anything. We knew what drunk looked like. I knew what drunk looked like because my parents were perfect examples of that, okay? And so it was one of those things is as I'm seeing this take place, I'm like, what on earth is going on? It was wild. And those things continued to manifest. And again, if you were around at this time, you know, like they were, they were happening everywhere. It was not unique to any one place across the country as a result of this church just being in revival, bringing in this evangelist and the Holy Spirit falling upon them. You were seeing lives transformed. Lives transformed that to this day are still operating in ministry and are, are just producing fruit across the world. It's phenomenal. Well, as I was growing up in this and I'm observing this, um, somewhere about age 15, 16, somewhere in there, um, we, we went down to Rama. I'd never been to Rama. This is the Bible school that I ended up attending down in Tulsa. But they would do these things during the summer called CES, Continuing Education Seminars, where they would bring your, bring your volunteers down. And um, they would help train if you were in music or children's or stuff, help train your workers because in a small church, you don't have the resources and the ability to help put programs in place and stuff. And I was the drummer. And I love playing the drums. In fact, when you all heard me Saturday night, it was the first time in 15 years I had played, so I'm sorry. It was rough. It, it, it hurt a little, and it, it, was, it was a stretch. 15 years, Ariana was two the last time I played the drums. So they say it's like riding a bike. That's not true. It was not like riding a bike. It was like not playing the drums in 15 years is what it was like. And so we go down there, and I remember I was just so touched by what was taking place, like in these services and stuff, because it was such a grand scale. Of, I'd just never seen anything like that. I mean, the church auditorium could seat every member of my town and have room left over. That's, that's the kind of place this was. And I remember I'm hearing about healing for the first time. Like, and I mean, when I say first time, I mean, obviously it was talked about, but it was like intense, they were serious about it. Like, this is real. Like, this is possible. Like, this could happen. And I remember as I'm sitting there and I'm like, I wear contacts. I wore contacts then. And all I want is, God, heal my eyes. I don't want to wear these contacts anymore. And as I'm learning and knowing nothing, mind you, I keep telling you that. I hope you guys understand the knowing nothing aspect. As I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, God, this is what I want. And so I'm like, well, how do you step out in faith? They're talking about faith. It's a faith church. Step out in faith. Well, what should you do? I plucked out my contacts. The only pair I had. Threw them down. Had an entire week left. Couldn't see nothing the rest of the week. It was bad. I remember sitting through the services and the youth parts and stuff like that. And they're showing videos up on the screen and I'm like... I have no idea what's happening right now. But I'm just believing God. I'm trusting God. I'm like, God, you, you can, right? It says you can. Like, they're just going through scriptures, and it seems to make healing normal. And I'm like, I may not be normal, but this seems normal. Like, where are you at? And when we got home, I still couldn't see. Um, but I remember driving around with, with one of my friends, and uh, I remember, like, we were just inspired. And uh, we were driving through town. And I said, man, I'm just trusting God. Watch this. And I take my glasses off and my glasses on at this time as I'm driving. It's not a great idea. And I remember as I'm sitting there, I thought, okay, Lord, you must be working. I'm driving. And I see these two red lights, and they're like ways apart. As I'm coming up closer, I'm like, what is that? 
It's getting closer. It's getting closer. They're coming together. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is happening right now? Those were taillights. <laughs> it got real close. But I didn't know any better. I just believed what it said. I knew it had to be, it had to be real. And it's like, okay, God, if this is you, then we should be seeing things happening. And we didn't. It was very intermittent. And I struggled with that because the way the preachers preached is it shouldn't be intermittent. But yet it was intermittent. Now, I don't know nothing about nothing, but I, I'm a very analytical, okay? Overthinker, not in the way like I overthink every decision I make. I want to understand everything. I want to wrap my head around it. I gotta, it's got to make sense to me. When it doesn't make sense, it, it bothers me. And I'm willing to accept that I won't understand everything or may not necessarily understand everything, but I'm not willing to accept that I'm not going to try. And so fast forward, we're going through this, and I'm like, okay, this is what it says. This is what should be happening. And man, the Spirit of God was so strong. It was so unique. So some of the teenagers and I would get together during that summer, and uh, we'd meet every day at the church, and we'd just spend an hour or so praying. And I'll never forget this. My wife now might have been then girlfriend. I don't even remember. Um, I mean, you know, she was obviously into me one way or the other. <laughs> but I don't know if we were actually dating officially yet. We were really good friends for a while. Um, you know, but it was hard to control herself. You know, she's human. It's all right. And, and so, and this other guy, and we're sitting there praying, and I'm just praying intently, and I think I was praying in the Spirit, and I'm just praying, and at the exact same time, they both jump away from me, and of course, that got my attention, and they're like, we were about to fall, like, because the power of God was so intense, and it's like, man, this is incredible, and I'm so excited about it, and I'm telling everybody, like, I went to a job interview, and I'm explaining to the person giving the interview about Christ, and how the power of God is real and all of this other, and I'm, you know, and they're like, okay, that's great. And then, so do you think you can work the fryer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. But let me tell you about this. Like, okay, that's super, but you don't mind cleaning up after shift? Like, they were having none of it, but I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm for real. Like, this is, this is so intense. And so I was just, man, I was on fire. And we were having these services at night, and I also started working for, so they owned this restaurant, but the husband owned a roofing business. And so as soon as I got hired in the restaurant, he saw me and he said, you look strong. And I'm like, yeah. He says, you want to do some shingling? I didn't really know what that entailed, but I said, okay. He's like, I'll pay you five bucks an hour. And I'm like, done. That was a lot of money at that point in time. Don't you wish you could still hire people for five bucks an hour? Wouldn't that be spectacular? They'd even show up. Wouldn't that be spectacular? <laughs> but, and so we, uh, we, we, I took the job, and I'm working with all these guys, and there were some rough guys in this group. Well, they hired another friend of mine from school, and um, we'd had this service the night before, and I'm telling you, I mean, it was intense. Like, God was moving, and it was so, it was so crazy to be a part of. It was just kind of hard to believe, and the power of God was so strong, and I don't necessarily like this term, but it is one that gets thrown around that you'd be familiar with, the drunk in the Holy Spirit aspect, and, and so, like, I mean, it was, it was intense, and so we get there. Uh, that morning and we're tearing off the roof and the boss, which just me and this other guy, and the boss is like, oh, I got to go get something, shingles, material, a sandwich. I don't know what he was after, you know. He always, when it was time for the grunt work, he let the grunts do it, which is fair. That's what I would do. And so as I'm sitting there and I'm telling this guy about it. Now this guy uh, is a partier. He goes out drinking all the time. He was, I, I mean, I remember watching him smoke pot during school. Like, he was one of those kind of guys. 
And I'm telling him what goes on. And I was like, I said, man, it was, it was incredible. We're standing on this roof. And I was like, man, like we were drunk in the Holy Ghost. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, I don't really know what I mean. I'm just telling you, like, it was, it was the craziest thing. And um, he's like, can we do it? I said, I, I think so. Can we do it right now? We're standing on a roof. I'm like, I don't know that that's a good idea. And we just kept talking about it, but I remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I don't have any idea. Like, how do you, how do, you do that? And so it got me thinking. And, I, and, and during this time, you know, it's like uh, there was times that we'd be praying and people come up and they're, and they're giving their life. Well, there were people like one after another giving their life to Christ. I tell you so many stories of lives that were completely transformed, families transformed as a result of what was happening there. And then the pastor would call me up and say, like, I want you to pray for them. God's moving through you. And I'd go pray for these people. And you'd watch the Holy Spirit come upon them and they'd start praying in tongues and doing all these other things. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was so powerful. And I was so excited about what God was doing, but I didn't know, I didn't understand any of it. And I didn't know what was happening, and nobody was really explaining it. It was just kind of implied. And um, as those things began to taper off a little bit, it was, you started to see people not tapering off, if that makes sense. In other words, it becomes so status quo that you're having these wild services, and you knew it was God, you'd start seeing people act out in the flesh, I guess is the best way to say it, because it, there's a difference. You know, just because somebody falls down doesn't mean it's God. So you pray for them, right? Because you pray for people and they don't fall down. I have seen incredible things take place in the life of a person who was prayed for and you'd have never thought anything happened to them. They just stood there like a statue. And they get done, it's like, God just transformed my life. It's like, you should let your face know. It, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And so we're sitting there and, and believing that God heals and God moves and all of this stuff as this thing begins to taper off. At this point, Amy and I are married and, and we go off to Ramah. And I was not a good student. I hated reading. I don't like to be told what to learn. I like to learn. I don't like to be told what to learn. And so, you know, we're going through this, and I'm basically, you know, we were working full-time and going to school full-time. So we went to class every day from 8 to noon. We went to work every day from 1 to 9, or 9.30 by the time we got out of there. That was, our, that was our schedule. There wasn't a lot of intermittent time to do anything else. In fact, I remember after that, that when the first summer hit, um, and we didn't have the class in the morning, and all we had was the work. I was bored out of my mind because now I have all this free time I don't know what to do with. And so, uh, but back then, Nebraska football was still good, and so we would watch Nebraska football. Um, but, but anyway, and so I remember going through this, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm learning intently, and I'm, I'm, I'm like hanging on these things, and they just kept talking about healing, but yet in one side of the mouth, this is God's will, this is God's going to heal. And then in the other side of the mouth, tell us all the reasons why it's not working but not giving us things to do to make it work. You know, it, it was confusing. And so as uh, we're getting ready to graduate, the pastor from the church that I had come from, he called us, and uh, we had, I had no intention of ever going back to Auburn, Nebraska, just so you know. I was gone. I'm never going back. Lord, take me wherever you want to take me, but not there. And um, there had been a transition in the youth ministry at that time, and a new guy had taken over. Uh, that had been around for a while, and uh, it was a disaster. And um, the pastor just called me and said, hey, what are you guys' plans when you graduate? I said, I don't know. We're looking at we got some different opportunities. We're kind of exploring. We haven't really made any decisions yet. He's like, uh, what do you th- would you uh, maybe be interested in coming back? And I'm like, I would not be interested in that. And he said, you know, we're just really struggling with the youth ministry. It's really, it was very vibrant, and then it just kind of tanked. 
And uh, he's like, you know, if you don't have plans and, you know, they pray about it, but he's like, you know, would you be willing to come back home for, you know, a while and help get this thing back to where it once was? And so we prayed about it. I said, all right, fine. We'll go back for two years. That was our plan, two years. Uh, it turned into 10, but it, we planned for two. And so we went back, and I'm frustrated because I don't want to be there. Um, and we, we just were seeing a lot of talk with little action. And that always bothered me. I, I've always been big into evangelism. I, I believe that we've got, to, uh, we've got to reach the loss. I think it's imperative. I mean, as an example of this, just because we just passed Columbus Day, so in case you don't know, if you actually ever read the journals of Christopher Columbus, you'll understand his motivation for doing what he did. And it wasn't to seek gold, and it wasn't, you know, any of this other stuff that they tell you or to bring stuff back. The bringing stuff back was the concession made to Spain who funded the trip. His main motivation was at that point in time, all the prophecy experts said that Jesus was going to return, I think, within 60 or 80 years. Okay? So this is in the 1400s. And his heart was, he's like, there are unreached people out there, and we have got to get the gospel to them because we only have 60 to 80 years. That was my mindset. Is like, I almost didn't even go to Bible school because it's like, I don't have two years to devote to this. We need to be, we need to be doing the work of the evangelists. We need to be getting out there doing this stuff. And so when we came back in my frustration and stuff, it was like, we're all hat, we're no cattle. If you're from Texas, you understand that. We'll explain it to the rest of you is that the, 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 if you have a big hat, you must have means, but you didn't own any cattle. You guys get that? Am I too weird? Okay. You look flashy, but there's no substance that help anybody. All right. The one Texan gets it. Thank you. Thank you. So, but anyway, I mean, we're just, we're just talk, but we're not seeing anything. We're praying for the sick, but we're not seeing healing. And it seems to be normal. It seems to be, we should be expecting this. Well, something happens is we had a young man that was in our youth ministry at the time. He just graduated out. I actually grew up with this guy. He was just, he's two, three years younger than I was. And uh, he was going to a Bible school down in Texas. And uh, we were doing an event and we're doing like a, a I don't even know what we're doing a, we're doing something out in the field and camping and all this other stuff with a bunch of the teenagers and, and whatnot. And uh, he wanted to come home for it. And it, he was like two weeks from graduating. And his mom's like, don't, you're two weeks, you'll be home. But he's homesick. He misses us. He misses mom. He, you know, all that stuff. So they let him come home. So he comes out. He camps with us. We did um, capture the flag. We had a lot of fun. It was a good time. And um, on his way home, he's in a car wreck. Okay, I think he was 19. Don't quote me on that. As a car wreck. Somebody fell asleep crossed the center lane, hit his car, and he is in intensive care. He's in ICU. And I mean, we are praying. My brother and he were really good friends, and uh, he, of course, is pretty shook up. Obviously, it's emotional for me thinking about it. And so we're just praying intently, and it's like, man, God, this is what this is what you did. This is our time to shine. God, work a miracle on his behalf. Mom and dad were praying. Dad actually got saved. Dad wanted nothing to do with God. Dad had gotten saved as a result of what had been taking place. And so while he wasn't as exuberant as mom, he was on board. And they're down there somewhere. I think it was in Kansas, the hospital. We're praying and nothing. And they finally pulled the plug and let this 19-year-old die. And I remember this kid very vividly because it, before we had moved away, I was teaching this Bible study. We're doing it at my house every Friday night for the young people. And we lived in this little two-bedroom house. And it was like sometimes there'd be 40 or 50 kids in my little two-bedroom house. I remember one winter, 
it got so hot, all my windows are fogged up because there's so many people in there, and we're just teaching it, and I'm just praying like, God, you know, there's something happening, who should take this over? And this young man's name was Michael, and I, I really thought it was him, and I said, I don't know what you think about this, but would you be willing to teach a Bible study, you know, here, and he's like, oh, man, that'd be great, and he's like, I don't know how to do this. I said, well, I get that. I said, let me, let me help you. And so we put some together, and he came in, and, and it was, I'll never forget it. He made this statement. You probably have heard me use it. But as he was sitting there, and, and he just loved the Lord. Again, not saved, was more like that, got radically saved in the youth ministry. He said, you know, we're going to spend our entire lives doing stuff. And one of these days, we're going to face Jesus. And what's he going to say to us? Well done, or well, you're done. Profound, 17 years old. Like, I was just blown away. And I, I mean, I still use that line. It was so good. I mean, this kid loved the Lord. And so I'm sitting there like, God, why? Like, what, what on earth? What, what to, I don't understand. And everybody's giving excuses. Well, you just you don't know what the Lord's will was, and maybe it was his time. 19 years old? Come on. Why put him on this earth if you're going to take him out at 19? Well, you know, I mean, maybe once he got a glimpse of heaven, he wanted to stay there. Okay, fine, maybe, and I can accept that. But what about us back here? You know, what, what about all these other things? And I was just like, I was so frustrated with it, but I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, all right, whatever. Fast forward a couple years. Still seeing extremely intermittent result. If I was to give a batting average on people healed versus people not healed, we are under 100, which means you sit the bench. You don't get to play on the team. You're picked last in gym class type of stuff. We're just not seeing anything really Really. Now, you see people that will come up and give testimonies about what God is doing in their lives, and I had to heal them. It's like, oh, I had a bad cold, and God supernaturally healed me, and it, it was wonderful. I just stayed at home, and I took lots of fluids and rested for seven days, and God healed me of my cold. I'm like, that's the prescription to fix a cold. Or you get somebody, and, I, and you still see this to this day, because we want to give glory to God, and we should give glory to God, but let's just call those things that be as though they are. And they're like, oh, yeah, God, I beat cancer. God, help me through it. But I took 12 weeks of chemo. And the difference between the believer who beats cancer using chemo and the atheist who beats cancer using the same chemo is what? If we're being honest, it's nothing. So should we be thanking God or should we be thanking chemo? Now, I know that sounds blasphemous, but bear with me as I go through the rest of this. I want you guys to understand the backstory and where we're going because this is a little bit of a state of the union. So... Holy cow, it's 11.15, I'm going to speed this up a little bit. And so as, as we get a couple years further, we had another friend of ours, and we grew up together, and um, this kid had a great voice. In fact, he got recruited to go to Go Ministries, because um, man, he was a fireball. I've never seen anybody with more energy than this, this man, and not, that's not always a good thing. The amount of medication he was on to control his ADD was off the charts. I mean, mom and dad homeschooled him because the school threatened if we don't do something with this boy, I mean, it was bad. And he got healed of this ADD in his service. And I remember he threw all of his medication in the fire at some bonfire thing that we were doing. And he was never the same. And I mean, this guy was radical. And he had ups and downs spiritually, but I mean, he was radical. In fact, he ended up marrying my pastor's daughter. And um, he had just come back and they were a part of Go Ministries, which Go Ministries has been here many, many years ago. And um, in fact, I think he was maybe part of it. Was he? Okay, he was part of one of the ones that they were doing here. And so... 
um, we'd stay in touch. Now, these are pre-cell phone days, or cell phones are, you know, not what they are today. Definitely pre-social media and stuff. So, like, staying in touch was, you actually had to put in effort. And uh, I didn't. I never have. And so, when he came back and he had visited, uh, they brought their tour bus in. They were doing something with us. They were passing through. I don't even remember. So, we were on there, and we're talking and, and whatnot. And I, it was good to see him again. And, what, and, and so, a short time later, we get a phone call. They were at a church in Arkansas. And they had this huge lighting and sound rig, and it was one of those things where um, you don't just plug it in. In order to power this thing, you actually have to take the, the, the electrical panel and you plug directly into that, something an electrician would do. Well, as they're trying to get set up, the electrician is running behind. And so they were just like, well, let's do everything we can, get everything in place, at least so it's ready to connect when he gets here. And what the pastor and he were standing there, they took the panel cover off, and there was something sitting on top. And it fell, and it created an arc, and it shot out a fireball and hit him and the pastor. So he is burned, I don't know how badly, but badly. He was uh, rushed to Tulsa uh, by a helicopter and laid in the hospital. Now, so this is my pastor's son-in-law. So what do you think we all started doing? We started praying. God heals him. Now, this guy had been all over the world. I mean, he, his impact was unreal. He did more by age 26 than most people will do in their entire life as a result of being a part of that ministry. It was powerful. And we're just praying, we're praying, we're praying. And two weeks later, they pulled the plug. Because they opened him up, they were going to do surgery on something, I don't even know what, and the staph infection was so bad, they just closed him back up and just said it's a matter of time. 26 years old. Family's crushed. Uh, father-in-law's crushed. Of course, now we, his daughter is a widow at about 26 years old. Not what anybody wants. Oh, God, what, what, why? Why? We believe this. This is what your word says. And nothing. And it's like I'm, I, I just was so frustrated in this. Because, again, all hat, no cow. Here we are, we teach this stuff. Here we are, we preach this stuff. Here we are, we say we believe this stuff. And yet, God, where are you at in this? Go through years of this. It's a lot of questions. I think questions that many of us have had, most are afraid to admit. Because then we're not in faith. But I like to understand. I, like I want to know why. And so I devoted my life to studying the Word. As you guys well know, because we, we teach differently than a lot of places perhaps you've been, because we're going to go down deep and we're going to stay down long, because we're going to see what God says on every subject. I'm not going to mix in my experience without first having the groundwork of the scriptures. And so as I began to do this, and I'm studying not just this, but other things, there was something that I just couldn't get past. There is no question in my mind that it is God's will to heal all. As I'm reading the scripture, this is what God said. This is in my opinion. Because frankly, it would be a lot easier to be a cessationist and just believe that God has, you know, had a time that he did that, but he doesn't do it anymore. And then we can just go about our life and whatever happens, happens, and we don't have to worry about it. But it, it, I take it personally when I'm not seeing results. And so when 
when um, I'm reading this, it's like, okay, it seems, I, I don't know how I can deny this, that it is God's will to heal everybody. I never see a single example where a person came to Jesus and they were not healed. I never see an example where the um, apostles went and prayed for somebody and they were not healed. I never see an example where the disciples of the apostles went and prayed for somebody and they were not healed. So God, if you're trying to get a message to me, it seems as if this is your will. However, when I see what's happening in the real world, it's not happening. So either my theology is wrong or we're missing a component, the secret sauce, if you will. And I've been frustrated with it for north of a decade. I mean, very frustrated of it. And I think many people share that. But again, we're almost afraid to admit it. And I don't have a problem asking hard questions. I don't have a problem somebody asking me hard questions, even if I don't know the answer. But it will endeavor me to dig. And so as I began to look at this, I'm like, okay, God, what is wrong here? I mean, when my wife had a miscarriage and we found out she was having problems, man, you can't tell me I wasn't in faith. I was a hundred, I wasn't even shaken by it. I'm just sitting there like, hey, it's going to be fine. It's no big deal. God's got this. And then we get the call from the doctor. Baby's gone. I was crushed. Why, God? I mean, here, I've devoted my life to serve you. I've waited to get everything kind of in place before we have the kids. And then one's, the first one's gone? I don't even want a second one. I don't ever want to feel that pain again. And so I'm like, God, this doesn't make any sense. And so, and, and I mean, we've been here nine years now, if you can believe that, those of you who've been around for us. It's gone fast. It's been fun, right? Just shake your head yes. Just say yes. But it's been a challenge. And we sit around and we talk about this, and, and I've shared that frustration with Jim, and, and I think you guys, and I know y'all, because we sit around the table on Sunday mornings, we talk about it, and I'm like, I'm not satisfied, we're just like, well, it might happen. I want to know what we're missing. There's something we have to be missing. What on earth is it? And so I've just been praying, God, there was a time where I could read, I'd read the Bible and I didn't understand it, and I was kind of bored with it, if I'm being perfectly honest, and I remember praying, God... I hear about these people who just read the Bible. It's like new every single day, and they get so much from it and all of that. And I'm like, that is not my experience. So either they're lying or I'm doing it wrong. And I said, Lord, just open my eyes so that I can understand, because I didn't believe they were lying. And I began to study, and all of a sudden words would pop off the page, and it would force me to go look, and I would start seeing things that I had never seen before, and it's like, how did I miss this? And then as I'm listening to everybody else teach on the same show, I'm like, how did you all miss this? Like, why is nobody talking about it? Like, it's right here. How do you not, not see this? You know, there also was a time where I absolutely could not sing, couldn't carry a tune at all, and I was leading worship from the guitar. Like I said, I spent years drumming. I was much more comfortable there. And I would start leading, but I couldn't sing. Like I couldn't, I knew I was off key. I just didn't know how to find the key. And I remember praying, God, just let me carry a tune. I don't have to win American Idol. Just let me carry a tune. Well, that was a mistake because that's all I can do. It's like, man, I should said, give me the most beautiful voice ever. And you all would have to plug your ears half the way through the worship service every Sunday. You know, so I mean, I'm sitting here endeavoring to it, and I've been seeking, and I'm like, Lord, I know there's more to it, which brought in Chad Gonzalez last year. What happened was, is, is as I'm, I was on Facebook one day, and this guy, you know, the people you may know thing, it pops him up, and I'm like, that name's familiar. And uh, I, I saw his picture, I'm like, God, he looks familiar. I think I went to Raymond with him. Now, it's, I mean, we've been out for over 20 years now. 
and uh, I've not been well connected back with any of the people that I went with. Or, and, and he and I were not like best friends, but we sat next to each other in at least one or two classes, and so we knew who each other was. And so I saw who he was, and I went back and looked, and sure enough, that was, that was the Chad Gonzalez. And so I, I was like, oh, okay, I wonder what he's up to. And I start seeing, and I start seeing the stuff that he's doing, and he's got this ministry teaching in the area of healing. And this is something I've been praying for for a very long time. I was like, hmm, let's see what this guy's all about. So I began to stalk him. I'm seeing his posts, and I agree with everything he says. In fact, everything he's teaching is stuff I've been teaching because that's what I see in the Word. The difference seems to be he's getting results. So if we're teaching the same things, that means we believe the same thing. But this guy's getting results, and this guy, very intermittent. They don't like that. And then so I'm, as I'm going down, I see that he has this interview on Sid Roth. And I'm like, oh, no. Because if you know Sid, Sid has guys that are great. And he also has guys that are out of their ever-loving mind. And it seems to be no re- rhyme or reason why. And so I'm thinking, oh, no, is he crazy? And so I watched the whole thing. I was like, no, that was good. And so I, I followed him for several weeks. I don't know how long. And I finally messaged him. I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, yada, yada, yada. I would love to reconnect. And he sends back, he's like, yeah, man, I remember you. And he's like, yeah, let's set up a call. And we did. We set up a Zoom call. And it lasts about an hour and a half. And I'm asking him questions. I'm asking him questions. I'm grilling him. I'm making sure this guy's not crazy. Because he might have been fun and cool 20 years ago, but he could be crazy now. And I like what I saw. And so I'm like, so I said, what is the premise of it? Because you're getting results. And he's telling me some of the stories and stuff. And uh, he said, it's really, really simple. We're in union with Christ. When I lay my hands on people, it's like Jesus laying his hands on people. But he said, we say we believe that, but we really don't. He said, it all starts up here. It's the recognition of who we are and what that means. This is all stuff that I taught. This is nothing. And I'm like, okay, why are you getting these? I'm, I, I don't understand. And he's like, I don't know. So we, we booked him to come in. As you guys know, he came in last year, and it was good. I still didn't know what the secret sauce was. I'm like, I even called him afterwards. And uh, we'd talk, and we still talk. We still communicate. And, um, and he just said, he's like, man, he said, we see more things happening today than we did years ago. And he's like, the more we do it, the more we see. And he said, now it's getting to the point where we're watching people get healed without anybody praying for them, just in the service. It's like the, when the switch flips that you recognize who you are, the power of God becomes real in your life. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. But as you guys know, he came, he left, um, we, you know, bless and pray for him, all that kind of stuff, uh, but not a lot changed. And so still praying, God, what is it? I mean, my wife and I have talked about it, I've talked to some of you guys about it, we've been intensely like searching the scriptures, like there's got to be something, there's got to be something we don't know, which brings in Corey. So Corey, the, how I met Corey was on, it was again on Facebook, I don't get on Facebook very often. Um, every once in a while I get on there and just see what's going on or see if there's any really good memes that I need to share that hadn't been shared yet, just so y'all can see them, because um, that's doing the Lord's work, I feel. And, um, and so I get on there, and we had mutual friends, and actually there was a picture of he and Chad together. I was like, well, who is this guy? And so I look, and I see, you know, he's got his own ministry, which, just so you guys understand, like when you go to a Bible school like Rama, everybody has their own ministry, right? It's just, what is, it's always their name, ministries, and they always have logos that look like they're getting ready to try to sell you a timeshare. 
and things like that. And so it's like, okay, you know, this is just one more guy. But I added him just to kind of see who he was so I could follow along with what was happening. And um, I'm seeing some of the videos and of, of things happening. I mean, he's claiming, these people are claiming, they're giving testimonies. He's in an airport praying for this lady. She's like, yeah, I could barely walk, and now I'm walking whole and, and, and all this other stuff. And I don't like some of that stuff because it's self-promotion um, to a degree, but I, I get it. Um, so I'm not big on that, but, but at the same time, it's like, okay. And then um, he did a, uh, he did services like what he did here at a friend of mine's church. And there were some crazy testimonies coming out of that. And I'm like, all right, I got to reach out to this guy. So I did. Same thing. Hey, you don't know me. I don't know you. We have mutual friends, yada, yada, yada. Love to connect. He said, sure. So we set up a call. And we were Zooming or FaceTiming or whatever we were doing. And uh, it was about an hour and a half. And I'm asking him the exact same questions. I'm making sure he's not crazy, all this kind of stuff. And um, he gives me the answers that I like. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not hearing anything. It's, you, because the reason I say that, you need to understand, I don't bring anybody in that I don't know. Because there are crazy people out there. And they can hide. The whole wolves in sheep clothing, I don't want to invite that guy in. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty adamant. I years ago wouldn't book bands. I would go and stock bands, like when we were bringing in bands and doing different things, if uh, I did not feel like they were really Christian, okay? So we get to talking and stuff, and I was like, all right, man, so we picked the date, you know, looking at his calendar, our calendar, what we had going on. I said, all right, this will work. Let's plan on this. And then uh, and he's like, yeah, let's stay in communication, man. He's like, I want to get to know you more. I said, vice versa. Well, I'm not great at initiating conversation. I'm also not great at responding to text messages because I don't always see them. I get a bunch of them, and they kind of get buried. So if you ever send me a text and I don't respond, just call me. Um, I may not answer your call either, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a start. And so as I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I need to, I, I really, really felt in my heart. I'm like, I need to go meet with the guy. Like, I, I can't, I can't in good conscience, like, I, I need to go, I need to go meet with him. And in between these times, he has this testimony about this mom who had a miscarriage. And as he was praying for, she claimed that she went to heaven, she saw Jesus, and her baby was there, or babies, I don't remember now. I am super uncomfortable with that, y'all. Super uncomfortable with that. Because it's like, okay, I know that's possible. It's not unbiblical. That's the key. It's not unbiblical. But he made it sound like it's normal. And that's not normal in my world. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. And so as I reached out to him, and I said, again, about a month or so ago, and I said, hey, man, if I came down there to Tulsa, would you be up to grabbing lunch and let's ch chat? And he said, sure. And so we met at a Lone Star Steakhouse. Okay, I've never had a good meal at a Lone Star Steakhouse until that day. So that obviously was the Holy Ghost. And um, as I go up there, I shake his hand and stuff, and we sit down. And, uh, you know, he's, you could tell, he, nervous isn't the right word, but, he didn't know what to expect because this has never happened before for him. And, um, and he, just, he just said, man, I, was like, I told my wife I feel like I'm going on a job interview. I said, that's good. That's the way I want it. <laughs> and I started asking him more and more questions. And I, said, uh, I kind of told him what I've told you guys. And I said, you know, I was like, man, it's not that we, we don't pray for people. We do. Because we don't always see people getting prayed for, but we pray for people throughout the week. Um, more than what most people realize. There's things that happen. And I have seen people in those moments healed. But I mean, if one out of 10 would be a stretch. And so I just, I said, man, what is it? And he said, uh, well, how many people are you praying for? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, probably not as many as you. He's like, well, you're not praying for enough people. I'm like, what do you mean? He's just like flexing a muscle. You get better at it as you do it. Now, I didn't like that answer. 
but it started to make sense. Because prior to that, as I, I was praying and I'm just seeking the Lord for the meetings and things like that, it started to dawn on me, and I've shared this with a few people, is that here's, here's, here was my premise prior to this. In Acts chapter 2, you see the Holy Spirit fall upon the disciples, and immediately what takes place? Peter stands up, he's bold as a lion. The next chapter, we don't know how far in advance that is, but the next chapter, he walks up to the dude sitting at the gate looking for money. No faith, not looking for healing, looking for money. And he says, I don't have any. What I have in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. He reaches down, he pulls him up, he stands him up. And I'm like, I've been baptized in the Spirit. Why not me? The part that I was missing is that every day for three years, they were with Jesus. They had on-the-job training. Every day for three years, they heard what Jesus said. They saw what Jesus did. The book of John seems to be about 19 days long in the ministry of Jesus. 19 days, the entirety of the book of John. And there's all these miracles that are listed. 19 days, y'all. And these guys spent every day for three years with Jesus. He sends out the 12. He sends out the 70. They all come back like, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he's like, yeah. Don't be excited about that. Like they were surprised, but they had been trained. So when they were endued with power, they already knew what to do. But that's not our experience. Because think about this. How many times have we ever been trained on anything as far as the ministry goes? We've been taught a lot. We, how do you baptize somebody in the Holy Spirit? Well, we see in Scripture, they either laid hands on them or it, sometimes it's a corporate thing. Okay, great. How many of us have actually done that? Some of us have. Some of us haven't. How many of you guys have ever said, hey, let me show you how I do this. I want you to just watch and then, you know, do your own spin. It doesn't happen. How do you lay hands on the sick? We've never actually, there's no training for it. We just kind of do it. It's kind of like what I said before. The discipleship programs inside of the churches today are, are, are ridiculously poor because essentially somebody gets born again, we hand them a Bible, we pat them on the behind, and we say, good luck. We don't teach. We don't train. And so I had been thinking about that, and in that moment I realized as I'm starting to go back through my entire life, entire time in ministry, you know, north of 20 years and, and even prior to that, I'm like, there's not one time that I can think of where any pastor ever said, come here, I want to show you exactly how this is done. Not once. But that's what the disciples had. And if you look, that's what the disciples of the disciples had. In fact, there was a time that that was the norm. And so when he says, you're not praying for enough people, he's saying like, it's, it's all up here. I want you to understand that. But he's like, you're never going to see results if you don't spend more time doing it. He said, we see more uh, healed on the spot today than we did three years ago. And he's like, and we're continually to grow in this. Because he'd be the first one to admit. I, I asked him the same thing. I said, if you were to assign a batting average, what would you say? Are you batting 1,000? Are you batting 100? And he, he just said, well, it depends. I said, on what? He said, well, backs and arthritis, things like that. Man, he said, we're hitting at a high clip. Some of the other stuff, not as high. He's like, but I'm just endeavoring, and I'm just chasing God because I know that it's not God. God's steady. I know it's me. He's like, so I'm so confident in the backs and the knees because I've seen it happen so many times. He's like, and you know how I got confident in it? I just kept doing it. 
And I just kept doing it. He's got a video on YouTube where he, his shadow healed somebody. Is that unbiblical? No, of course not. We see it with Peter. Is it weird? Sure. I said, why did you do that? He's like, I don't know. Peter did it. Why not? Why not? Because we've been told not to. See, that's the thing. I'm seeing more clearly now than I think I've ever seen before. It's like there's this simple aspect of the abiding in him. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, there's that aspect. And then the doing part, the training piece. And so I went down there Tuesday. Most of you guys don't know this. I actually had a, a meeting that I set up down there, and I went to lunch with him again. And I'm just watching him because he's doing things that I, I want to see. I, I told you guys this. When he and I, the first time when we went to Walmart and started praying for people, I was very uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable with how uncomfortable I was, and I don't like that because I can walk into Walmart and I can have deep conversations all day long. It doesn't faze me. I can sit at a table and have conversation with the, the waiter or waitress and sit there and pivot the conversation. I can do that. Not a problem. But now you're bringing something that I shouldn't be uncomfortable with, and yet I am. And the reason that I am is because what if it doesn't work? And then I started thinking about it this way. I tell people all the time, they're like, well, I'm afraid to say anything to somebody because what if they ask me a question I can't answer? So what? What's standing in your way? Your ego. What's standing in my way? My ego, too. And so we sat down at this, <laughs> we walked in. It was very funny. The, uh, the guy who's like, oh, how many in your party? And there was three of us. And, uh, and Corey being Corey, because as, as you hang out with Corey, you realize that this is not a show. This is just what he does. He said, man, how are you doing today? And he's like, I'm doing okay. He's like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm amazing. He says, man, do you know that Jesus loves you? The guy's like, okay. He's like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? He's like, I don't think so. And you tell this guy, I want to know part of this. So we sit down. And we're talking, and, and the waitress comes over, and her name, I think, was Hannah, if I remember right. And um, we're just sitting there. And again, I'm sitting across from him. It's him, and then his, he calls himself his business manager. He's a businessman that got healed in Corey's ministry. This guy had some infection that nearly killed him, and he had a friend that was friends with Corey. And Corey ends up FaceTime, calls him, and the guy's like, hello? And he said, hey, I'm Corey Brewer. I'm friends with this, and he wanted me to call and he wanted me to pray with you. He's like, okay. And uh, he said, FaceTime with me. So he does and he's all connected to all the machines and stuff like that. And um, he's like, man, this is what the Bible says. This is what I do. He's like, I'm going to pray for you right now and God's going to heal you. And uh, he's like, okay. And so he starts praying for him over FaceTime. He blows into the phone. This guy's name is John. And John said, Chris, I felt my hair move in the wind. And I just looked at Corey. I said, why do you do that? He said, I don't know. It works. Okay. Enough said. Within two hours, John leaves the hospital completely healed. That was six months ago. So John is a businessman in, in the Tulsa area and uh, is getting ready to retire and is going to help Corey, and they're doing stuff like this all the time. Like, this is John. And John is as analytical as I am, and he's like, Chris, there's a lot of things I can't explain, but obviously we share a brain, and I'm just telling you, you just need to go with some of this. And I'm like, Okay. And uh, so we're sitting there, and we're talking to this Hannah, and, and, and he says, you know, he's just talking to her. He's like, how are you doing today? She's like, I'm doing good. And he's like, oh, that's good. And he's like, hey, he's like, I'm going to tell you. He's like, we're going to pray for you. I want you to pick one thing, whatever that one thing is. I want you to think about it. When you come back with that drink, I want you to figure out what is that one thing that you want us to pray for. And uh, he's like, okay. And so she comes around, and, and he 
you know, comes back. He's like, did you think about it? And she said, yeah. He's like, whoa. He's like, finances. She's like, I'm a single mom. I've been clean for two years now. And, uh, I mean, I'm close to losing my house. And he's like, we're going to pray. He's like, but, do, but don't feel condemned for that. He's like, I was a drug addict too. And he starts going into his testimony a little bit. And um, he had me pray for him. And uh, they made a comment. like, oh, Chris has an anointing for money. I don't even know if that's a thing. And I was like, I'm just going to pray for you. Whatever. Don't, don't make it weird. So I started praying for her. And she started crying. And so this was initial. And then she says thank you and goes about it. You know, we're going to tip her really well. We're going to take care of her. We're going to follow the Lord on that. And uh, she was coming back over and kind of wrapping things up. And he's like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And she said, well, I think I did at once. He's like, you need one. He's like, because you can't do this on your own. He's like, you're doing great. But he's like, imagine what life would be with Jesus involved. And she sits down next to us, and we pray for her. And he just leads her to the Lord. And she starts bawling again, loud bawling. I don't know why people have to do that in public. And uh, she said, last night I was on my knees crying out, God, if you're real, show me. Now, we almost went to a barbecue restaurant instead of this place. And normally I'd say, that's the will of the Lord, because barbecue is king. But not in this case. And I'm telling you all of that to tell you guys this, is that for the first time in a long time, I feel like I'm seeing more clearly now. And um, there's a lot that's going on around us, but I'm so tired of excuses. I'm so tired of the status quo. I was so incredibly disappointed in the church during COVID, and I'm not going to get into that today, but let me tell you something. We were exposed, and I, I mean, it just made me sick. Because I'm like, here we are, we preach this, and all these churches, all these ministries, they close their doors because of a virus. That means we don't believe it. Just made me sick. And I never want to see another example where somebody comes in a wheelchair, and they come in riding in it, and they don't leave pushing it. I never want to see that again. Like for the first time, I feel like, I see where this whole thing is going. And I'm telling you that now because this is the last part of this current series that we are. I've got a couple things I've got to finish up that you guys need to know about what's going on around us. And it's so imperative that you see it because we're blinded to it and we don't even realize it. But this last part, I feel like, is if we get a hold of this, there's nothing, nothing that can stand in our way. See, I'm going to share this with you, and I'm going to be done because I know it's late. I'm sorry. I had to get all this out. I felt in my heart that there is revival coming. What that means, what that looks like is different depending on who you ask. Jim called me one day. I don't remember if it was a dream or if it was just a vision you were praying or whatever, but he said he saw people. It was late, and he said all these cars started turning into our parking lot here earlier this year. I don't remember exactly when this was. Was that a dream or what was that? Vision. Okay, he's just praying. Like, and he's like, he's like, man, I really feel like it's going to me too. And then as you guys know, Zach Fritz, uh, who passed away just a few weeks ago, uh, but if you got to know him, he was, he was an interesting cat. Um, I, he, he can hold a conversation, just so you know, right? He's one of those guys that he'll call you on the phone, and you can set the phone down, and you can walk away for 10 minutes and come back, and he hadn't even taken a breath yet. So it's one of those kind of guys, but he passed away a couple of weeks ago. But he told me, he said, the whole reason I'm here is because I believe God is bringing revival. He was an intercessor. He was a guy that just prayed. 
And, um, and I believe that too. But what does that look like? Is that a Brownsville where people from all over the world flock in? Maybe. I don't know. I don't even know it has to be here. But revival starts here. You see, when it changes here, it manifests everywhere else. But it has to start here. And that is part of the problem, is that we don't want it to. We say we do, we really don't want it. And part of the reason we don't want it is because we're tired of hearing about it, we're tired of talking about it, and we're not seeing anything. I'm telling you guys, you will see more. There isn't a sickness, there isn't a disease that the name of Jesus isn't above. And you're going to see that. There is nothing, nothing that can't be overcome. Diabetes. Cancer. I'm telling you, when you plug in, as you guys will see, when you plug in, it's the life of God in us. It's time to stop talking about it. It's time to start living it. We got a taste of it last weekend. Corey's not special. He's a simple guy. He's from Kentucky, so you know he's not smart. <laughs> but um, you should be on the drums right now. That'd be good. That would be a great timing. That just, I mean, literally, his testimony is so simple. I was in jail. I got saved. I read the Bible. They do these things. I did these things. They worked. He had not had all the theological teaching telling us that that's not how that works anymore. Or you've got to have these seven steps. Or here are seven things that are keeping you from being healed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What if we just started abiding in God? What if we started doing that? What would take place? What would change? I'm telling you, it's like my eyes are open I'm seeing more clearly now than I think I ever have. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a ride. And I know there are some people that may not want to go on that ride, and that's okay. It's okay. I'm just telling you. I don't know what happens exactly or what. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what happens because I'm telling you, God's going to move. Let's stand up real quick before we head out. Let's just lift up our hands to him and worship him for a minute and just thank him. Father, we thank you. For your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you are always with us, that we are in you and you are in us and we are one, Lord. I thank you that we are just in the fullness of God, that you have called us righteous, that you have called us sons and daughters, and we don't have to earn anything. It has been endued upon us, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That there is nothing on this earth that can stand in our way when we walk in the fullness of what you have promised. Lord, we are so grateful to you. Father, I thank you that you stretch us. Lead us. Show us the areas where we're short as we grow in our knowledge of who you are. Lord, I'm so grateful for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget Wednesday night, the book of Job.